Welcome to the Butts and Seats Podcast, episode number 37, and our last one of 2021. That just feels weird, because I think we've done so we've done so many episodes this year, and it's the last one of the year. Just the fact that 2021's over is just weird. Yeah, the first episode of this year was episode 7, so... No way! We've done 31. 30. Ep- we've done... 31. Episode 7 counts. Okay, so we've done 31 episodes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so at this pace, literally right around this time next year, we will be talking Vince Russo. Uh, we got one year. Watching him, we're, we're watching the uh, Monday Night Wars documentary on the, on Peacock, and watching him talk is just kind of making me nervous. Because he's talking about like what a great idea all of his ideas were, and then other people are saying like, no, that was terrible. Why did we do that? That was awful. My God. Yeah. Well, oh, the, uh, the brawl. I would, no, okay, sorry. I was watching something else. Oh, you watched Dark Side of the Ring. You I was were... watching Dark Side of the Ring. I was watching the Brawl for All episode. And Vince Russo was talking about how this is entertaining. This is a great idea. And all the wrestlers were like, this is a shit idea. Why are we doing this? Yeah, welcome to every <laughs> podcast that has the two of them. Or, sorry, the two of them. I, I, him and Bischoff are just like, everything I did was a great idea. And it was, if there was a bad idea, it wasn't me. It was the other guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well... There's a lot on this show that just seems like a bad idea. This was just boring. Yeah, this was the uh, June 14th, 1999 Monday Nitro. Just down the road from us. I guess we have... Actually, we used just down the road for when it was actually down the road. This is down 295 from us in Washington, D.C. Yeah, you go on the beltway that nobody wants to go on to go to this show. Yeah. Do you want to stall or do you want to get into it? Do you have a stalling point? No. Then let's get into it. We start with the Nitro Girls. It felt like we had a lot of Nitro Girls this episode. We don't usually start the show with Nitro Girls. Yeah, I thought this was a fairly natural-ish start to the show where it's like, okay, you know, Nitro Girls opening pyro. The only thing I would have changed is maybe have the actual like video opening, then have the pyro, then have the Nitro Girls. Yeah. It's been a while since we haven't had a like cold open of like somebody showing up in a limo or somebody getting beat down in the parking lot. Can you call someone arriving who you expected to be here a cold open? In in like in comparison to the actual opening of the show. Yeah. Yeah. I would call it a cold open is just a thing. A segment. Yeah. Then we have Tony Schiavone and Bobby Heenan on commentary at least for the first bit. Bobby Heenan coming right out of a jailhouse rock costume party. Yeah, it was definitely a bold choice of a uh, black and white striped t-shirt and just a vest over top. Yeah, it was it was something. Tony hypes up last night's pay-per-view and they talk the main event. Bobby Heenan mentions, kind of kills his credibility here. It's like, uh, if it had gone another 15 minutes, maybe another 10 minutes, oh my God, yeah. you know, maybe Randy Savage would have won. So I have not looked this up before right now. How long do you think that match? I don't even think it was before? 10 minutes. Yeah, I'm going to guess a solid seven and a half. I was going to go eight. Oh, it went seven twenty nine. Oh shit! Oh, if if we were playing play, prices right, I'd want to die. I think you would have won. No, I went over. Did you? I said seven fifteen. No, I said seven seven and a half. <sighs> would have gone over by one Close second. Damn. Yeah, but like Kevin Nash does not put on a good match anyway, at least to me. And they're slow and they're boring. And can you imagine that match going fifteen minutes? Fifteen more minutes? I can't imagine going fifteen minutes. Exactly. That's scary enough. We get Nitro stills of the main event, and we don't focus a ton on Sid, which I thought was interesting tonight. Yeah, like, they mentioned Sid's return, but, like, not much. Yeah. Well, because we actually get him arriving next with 
team madness. And and it's just kind of like he's always been there. Well, it's not even... <laughs> See, you think that. I had a much different thought because George comes out wearing a long, sparkly dress with what looks about seven push-up bras on. God, her poor chest must hurt so bad. Medusa, I know she's later rocking the weird American flag getup. I think she was here, too. I don't remember. Molly's still wearing the, the sash and the long dress. Randy Savage is looking like Randy Savage. And then Sid comes out of the car with, like, a striped polo and jeans, tucked into his jeans. And I'm just like... He was at the same PTA meeting that Dean Malenko was at. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're not psycho Sid anymore, but, you know, what is this look? He is a father. I know his child. I bring this up every time we talk about Sid. Yeah, we're, he's going to be around for a little while, so... I know, so we should throw it out there that... Uh, I think I might have said this last episode. You did. <laughs> Sid's son is a Big Brother season, I believe, 16 and 18 alumni. His name is Frank. And his dad is the master and ruler of the world. Yeah, I don't think anybody in the house knew who Psycho Sid was. From there, we get the Nitro opening package. I still cannot find a beat in that song. Yeah, no. It's just noise. I want to find the sheet music for it. Oh, God. Let's see if there is sheet music for it. <laughs> we had some already. We got a lot of Nitro stills in this episode. Yeah. I feel like we moved away from that largely, then we just came right back to it. We did and we didn't. I mean, I stopped complaining about it because I remember at the beginning of this podcast, I complained about it a lot because I find it really cheap and annoying. But I understand why they do it, and I'm just kind of over it at this point, but it did feel like a lot in this episode. Yeah, we get the rap is crap match, Nitro stills. They do not show the hog dying. I guess they just want you to forget about that bit. They did talk about the Master P interference a lot. Which he didn't even really interfere. No, they talked about... That's true. They talked about that interference more than they talked about the Sid interference. Yeah. Oh, I'm not excited for Master P. Well, that's where their whole... Hootie Hoo! Oh my god, the fucking Hootie Hoo. He went mm. hard on that. Oh god. We'll, we'll get to him. No, but this is where all their like their music, music budget went, right? Yeah, I think I was right about the uh, Tommy Boy Records thing being them bringing in Master P. Although, I guess... And DJ Ran. DJ Ran, yeah, may have already... It's so vague. He started getting screen mentions. Not even screen time. He wasn't really on screen much. But he gets mentioned on screen a lot more since that Tommy Boy record segment. We get one member of that tag team match in our first match of the night, which is an incredibly confusing matchup where I feel like they mixed up who each of the groups from that match were supposed to be facing. Yeah, this felt really random. Yeah, so did the tag match later. The match right now is Brian Adams and Vincent versus Kurt Hennig and Barry Windham. Later on, Rey Mysterio and Conan will be facing La Parca and Psychosis. Yeah, who, strange. I guess Psychosis is a heel. Is he? Last we saw him, he was. I can't even tell La you last time is him. too much fun to be a heel. He <laughs> just loves that chair. He loves La Parca. And I'm like, I feel like this should have been flipped. It definitely should have been flipped. Like you should have had Ray and Conan face the B team. You start the show with this weird heel versus heel and no one cares. But then again, no one's here yet. Right, oh yeah. Oh my the, god. The arena's pretty empty. The hard cam is very empty. Three of the seats will be addressed later. We didn't even notice them. It's like literally in the front row. However, there is a big chunk in the hard camera that's empty at first. And it is later populated by a large group of very drunk frat boys. So they were probably late because either they got held up at security or they were pre-gaming and lost track of time. 
So as mentioned, the match is Brian Adams and Vincent versus Kurt Hennig and Barry Windham. Can we talk about Barry Windham's attire? The black tank top tucked into his short jean shorts. Oh, the shortest shorts in all the land. Large knee pads, black and white boots, and bright yellow gloves. I'd say who's that Pokemon, but I don't think there is one. (laughs) Who's that Pokemon? It's the village people. (laughs) Toucanon comes to mind. I think that's the... uh... There's a Pokemon called Toucanon, and it's just a toucan? Yeah. That's so boring. Who shoots stuff? That's stupid. He's Pokedex entry 733. They're going to run out of ideas. You've gone too far, guys. It's just a whole... Honestly, you're focused more on the shorts. I'm focused more on the bright yellow work gloves, because they don't match anything. It was all just strange. And on Barry Windham, too. Like, it just didn't really match his character. I I don't... What is his character? What is his character? (sighs) I don't really know. Tony notes that Hennig and Wyndham are former tag team champions. And that was within the last, like, three or four months. And I'm like, that feels so long ago. I don't remember them winning that title. They When did that happen? I forget if it was for the title, but they faced Rick and David Flair at a pay-per-view. Okay, so they didn't win it against Billy Kidman and Rey Mysterio. I don't remember. Because that's what I'm trying to think of. Like, I don't remember Kurt Hennig and Barry Windham having a match against Kidman and Mysterio. Oh, yeah. They had the whole feud against Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko. And they won the match at Super Bowl. And then they, like, lost it, like, two weeks later. This was back in February. I very vaguely remember the the feud with Benoit and Malenko. Very briefly. Yeah. So this was, like, three and a half months ago. It feels so long ago. It feels like years ago. But a lot of this feels like years ago. Okay, that's actually fair, though, because you said this happened in February in their timeline. Yeah. It was also February in our timeline. In 2021, it was February when we watched that episode. So I don't feel that bad that I don't remember a feud from 11 months ago. Match itself is happening. It It's super soft. Like, Kurt Hennig does not seem pleased with the general tone of this match because he'll come in and just chop the fuck out of whoever's in the ring. And, you know, it's Vincent and Brian Adams. Brian Adams can work, just doesn't yeah. seem motivated to ever. He did the uh, the hand lock thing. Because I can't remember if it was one of these or if it was one of these. At the beginning. I think it was one of these where, like, um, Brian Adams had his hands locked. And then Kerr Henning had to, like, break them apart. But, like, it didn't look like it took all that much effort. Even though, like, on their faces it looked like it did. Got you. Thank you for going into detail. Because I'm like, Emily, we're, we're a uh, audio podcast. You're like, what, <laughs> what are these? <laughs> and I gave him one of these. I don't know what they're called. The hand locks versus the hand lock. Yeah. For those of you who didn't see, Emily did a 450 splash. <laughs> Off the top rope. Yeah. Just, just like Ric Flair taught her. <laughs> but, yeah, it, this is slow. I, I don't even want to call it methodical, because methodical implies there's a thought process. This is just like, all right, let's just go around. They were also very light hits. Yeah. That's what I was saying. And, and until Kurt Henney comes in, it's just like, no, I, I don't like this match the way it's going right now. Yeah. Okay. Bam. I'll say that Brian Adams was doing some very light hits. On commentary, they talk about they still don't know who drove the Hummer. That's mention number one of the night. <laughs> I didn't note all of them. I just I noted a lot of them. Oh, yeah. No, I noted ever. I didn't note what each mention was, but I like took a tally mark every time. The match builds with Hennig and Wyndham beating down Vincent, and he gets the hot tag to Brian Adams. And I'm like, are the B team meant to be the face? 
I have absolutely no idea. Are they just meant to be... Do we miss them? Like, oh, now they're faces. Because you have them feuding with the cat, too, who is definitely a heel. I think they're just generic plug-in-place. Do they think that all the stuff with them backstage is charming and the crowd likes them now? Maybe. They might think that. No, I think the B-team is literally just like a plug-and-chug, kind of. Like, if you need somebody to be in a feud, throw the B-team in. It'll be a match. I don't really think they care about the heel-face dynamic, especially with the B-team. So this match is a mess, and it breaks down towards the end, where they get to the finish, and Barry Windham has to literally pull the ref and be like, you have to look over here now because I have to do the finish in this fucking corner. Mm. It's like... There was a point where Barry Windham choked out, I think it was Vincent, with a cowbell rope. Do you remember that? Loosely. It was just, I don't even know where it came Bobby from. Bobby Duncan brings the cowbell with, down with him to the ring every week. Oh, okay. Because, yeah. like, all of a sudden, Oh, yeah, Bobby Duncan cowbell. Jr.'s here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he just had this cowbell. I'm like, where the hell did that come from? Well, the finish of the match is after Barry Windham tells the ref, go fucking look over there so I can do the finish. He hits Vincent with the cowbell, and they get the win. This was, I wrote, terrible. It was just boring. There was nothing to it. And it was weird. It was a weird ending. Kurt Hedding is past it, but it's still too good for this. Yeah. I think he's realizing that he's too good for it. Yeah. He he did look annoyed on the way out. Although, credit to him. He looked annoyed. Was also singing along to his theme song as he was leaving. And I'm like, all right. I appreciate you trying, Kurt Hedding. Yeah. I have deemed their tag team the rap is crap team. So, like, if I mentioned the Rappus Craps. They, again, they will eventually become the West Texas Rednecks. I'm going to call them the Rappus Craps. The Rappus Craps? Yeah. <laughs> Back from commercial commentary chats, Kevin Nash and what mentions the White Hummer mystery again. That's two. I have a theory, and we'll talk about it later and in the night. Guess what? Your theory doesn't fucking matter, No, Nick. no, no, no. I have an actual, like, I think here's what legitimately happened, and Eric Bischoff is just covering his ass now. They then throw to a press conference from earlier today announcing the signing of Master P, which I thought they had already signed him, but... I didn't know that he was going to be signed to wrestling. I'm sorry, wrestling. <laughs> so, like, around he, the house, he, we He drops joke. that hard southern wrestle. He, he says it, it... It feels like he's doing a bit more than when, like, Vince McMahon is like, WCW. <laughs> there was a point in time where I was petitioning to call this podcast Rassle Chats, but you shot that down pretty quick. But I still like it. I think it's fun. <laughs> so, like, around the house, we'll say, like, you want to watch some wrestle? And so hearing him say wrestling in this this press conference, it was just like, oh, so that's, like, a thing that they say. Like, that's a that's a thing. <laughs> we do didn't you, make that up. Do you know what he doesn't say? Wrestling. Well, you know what else? Uh, Kurt Hennig, because he can't remember his name. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> he starts on this train of thought and then immediately has to bail because, like, oh, fuck, I don't know that guy's name. Yeah, I have no idea what the hell this guy was saying. He was saying words. He has no charisma, and I don't understand how. Yeah, for being an entertainer, it's kind of Yeah, and he's like one of the biggest entertainers in the world at this point. I'm like, how how do you have no charisma? But can we talk about how out of place Rey Mysterio looked? What are the sunglasses he's wearing here? They were really weird and sad and bad. Yeah, Rey's looking out of place. Eric Bischoff sucks up to him a bit. Masturbate, not Rey. Rey, yeah. I don't think Conan spoke during this no. package, to my memory at least. No, I don't think so. The and only one I, that was like coherent in speaking was Ray. Eric Bischoff was coherent. Oh, yeah, I, I just didn't Eric believe a word out of his mouth. Right. There's a difference. 
I forget who does it, but it ends with a hootie who. Ray does it. Ray says hootie who. Ray Mysterio is turning heel in my heart. <laughs> I need him to get out of this company. I know he stays till the bitter end. But he's I he's literally he's on the last Nitro. God bless him. He's loyal to a fault. I love that man so much. Oh, I'm going to need you to help me through this next segment. We get Randy Savage and the women come out. I would say Team Madness, but there's no Sid in this segment. No, it's just the lady Team Madness. Team Lady Madness? This is a confusing promo. Because Randy Savage is like, you should be looking at the world champion right now. And then is like, yeah, I beat... Kevin Nash. His I exact words were, I was crowned the uncrowned undisputed champion. What? <laughs> I don't I don't know what Randy Savage was saying half of this. Like, I don't think he knew. This promo was him going, yeah, if you guys didn't watch, I, I pinned him. I don't know why I'm not champion. Yeah. It's like, That's not what happened. <laughs> he kicked out. The thing that I loved, though, the best, um, he asked George to lay on the floor of the ring to recreate the pin. So George would be Kevin Nash in this instance. So that Randy Savage could get on top of her and mount her. Well, George also does a very... It's probably only like six seconds, but it feels like seven minutes of her dancing on the way down to the floor. Oh, I didn't think it was that long. Oh, it, it just felt super... This whole thing just felt indulgent. Also, oh, it was the, indulgent. the camera shot they go to, it's like, Jesus, you, uh, you clearly had something in mind with this segment. Yeah. But I did love that, you know, Randy Savage saying like how everything happened, how he got the one, two, three pin... Commentary over him goes, inaccurate, but great visuals. Yeah, you need commentary to actually be like, nope. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't think commentary... I, I, I really almost dropped into my Vince McMahon there. Like, nope, that is uh, not what happened. Mr. Savage yeah, did not win the title. I don't think commentary actually says that that's not what happened. No, there's like inaccurate. Like, inaccurate, but great visuals. That's Yeah, that's but like a lot of, it could be inaccurate in a lot of ways. It didn't even remotely happen. I feel like is more accurate than just going, oh, inaccurate. Yeah. It's like, oh, he actually hit him with a chair first and then pinned him. No, he didn't pin him. No. He's like, oh, I'm now the champion. You're, you're not. He says something along the lines of, like, politics exist and I am the champion. He says something about politics existing. I know. I, I, this was such a bad promo. I, yeah, you said you needed my help through this. And like, <laughs> Well, he also has two words for Nash. The wolf pack sucks. That's the at one point, he does mention, like, I'm going to show you the meaning of the word vicious, which is, like, the only mention of Sid during this entire promo. Oh, I guess that was a Sid call-out. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> he doesn't come out, though. I was no. ready for that to, like, prompt Psycho Sid to come out. Like, maybe cut a promo. Oh, I'm going to have to really stop calling him Psycho Sid. That's not who he is. That is trademarked. So, I'm not really sure what the goal of this promo was, but it failed. Whatever it was, yeah. it failed because I should have had some clarity leaving that promo. Yeah, we'll see everybody again later because, you know, of course we will. Of course we will. I'm, this is Randy Savage. He can't just have one promo. I'm really sad that Randy Savage has become part of our ugh, group. I know. I know. Because like when we first started talking about wrestling way back in the day, you talked about Randy Savage being like an amazing performer. Yeah, this isn't, this isn't Randy Savage. I know. <laughs> But he was along the lines of, like, those kind of people that you were showing me a lot of their matches. Like, you know, Kurt Angle, Shawn Michaels. You were basically doing, like, how-to wrestling for me at the very beginning of our relationship. Yeah. There was a PowerPoint. We got to release that PowerPoint someday. Get the Nitro Girls again. I didn't recognize any of the dances they did today, so. No, but they were all not great, and the music has gotten worse. 
Yeah, and oh, I, one of them, Spice, screws up, and both of us were like, how dare you, Spice? You're supposed to be the good one. Oh, because didn't she look at the wrong camera? No, she looked at the camera. Everyone else faced towards the hard oh, camera. Oh, right. But yeah, so I'm like, oh. You're screwing up my girl. Tony, th- <laughs> on commentary, Tony throws the nitro stills of Sting versus Steiner and the dogs. The dogs. <laughs> That that match got negative stars apparently, and what? I, and now me and Dave Meltzer are feuding. What? That got negative stars? Well, yeah, it was a terrible match leading into that. And but where, come on, and where did that come from? Doesn't matter. Ugh, there are no dogs tonight, and I'm very sad. For the joy that that match brought us, that should not have been a negative match. I will note in the Nitro stills, it actually looks a bit coherent. Yeah, you did say that. A lot of the weirdness from that came from the editing and when it's nitro stills oh you don't need to worry about that right oh and apparently sting is okay like, oh, yeah, he's fine. i wasn't worried <laughs> he's like, oh, yeah, he's fine pretty sure he was wearing like one of those dog gloves like yeah. for them to bite onto well there was also the other dog like shredding up his knee pad too we kind of missed that a little bit in that shot because they really focus on the one on the hand yeah that's true they did let's move on to our second match of the night it is Hugh Morris with Jimmy Hart versus Kidman. I'm like, oh right, this is a feud that's been happening. I didn't, I didn't remember the feud at all. I was just so excited for there to be a freaking facebuster. Yeah, I feel like we've been cheated out of facebusters. Yeah, Hugh Morris was interfering in cruiserweight matches. Yeah, and then Kidman kind of, you know, took the fight back to him. I'm like, oh yeah, I guess that never got resolved. Yeah, but did you miss it? Did you? Were you really questioning, like, oh, who won that feud? No. No. Morris works over Kidman to start. Wait, hold on. We're going to start talking about this match. We're not going to talk about the teeny tiny beard pony? (laughs) I guess so. (laughs) Feel free. Hugh Morris, you know, has a beard and he's growing it out a little longer. He's tied up the end in the world's tiniest little ponytail. Just like, it's not even, I can't even call it a ponytail. It's just like a little nub tied together at the bottom of his chin. And it looks so stupid. (laughs) I forget if it was this match where Jimmy Hart needs new wardrobe. Because he's wearing jackets for groups that don't exist anymore. What jacket was he wearing? I think this is where he's wearing the Faces of Fear jacket. I know he comes back in the show later. And it's like, that's the tag team of Meng and the Barbarian. It's like, Hmm. bud, they haven't wrestled on TV, at least together in a long fucking while. Yeah, I didn't even even make note of the jacket. I just kind of thought it was Jimmy Hart. Yeah, he was wearing something weird at Great American Bash too. I just forget what Hmm. it was. I swear one week he's going to come out with a fucking Dungeon of Doom jacket. Right. Like, there are some that I think I would recognize. Like, if he came out in, like, a Heart Foundation jacket. No, he actually, unrelated. Oh, I know. But, like, if he came out in a jacket like that, then I would recognize it. Or, like, Dungeon of Doom or Legion of Doom. He never managed them, but, yeah, Legion of, Legion of Doom. Well, he, he, he's like, he managed the Dungeon of Doom. He was one of the Wait, there's both? There. Yes. There's a Dungeon and a Legion of Doom? Yes, the Legion of Doom is also the Road Warriors, Hawk and Animal. I thought they were the same thing. No, the Dungeon of Doom is the one with the Yeti. Oh my god, I thought they were the same thing. <laughs> no, they are two extremely different. I figured different. the Legion met in the Dungeon of Doom. <laughs> no. Oh god. I don't know, man. Uh, they're not here tonight, by the way. The Road Warriors, yeah. yeah. Sorry, hope no, you weren't expecting it. Nor the Legion Doom, nor the Dungeon Doom. None of them are here tonight. None of the Dooms are here. This all just spawned off of a freaking jacket. Nor nor is um, Christopher Lloyd. Weber? I was going for Judge Doom. 
Oh, it's different. Hey, what's that one from, Emily? Also, I was to give Andrew Lloyd Webber. This is absolutely falling <laughs> off the rails. It's from Who Framed Roger Rabbit for uh, yeah, anybody yeah. who didn't know and didn't... When I said Christopher Google Lloyd, the doctor in um, uh, Back to the Future? Yeah. He can be, he's Doc Brown. He's the doctor. I forgot what his name was. We're falling apart. Listen, when there's time travel, you need to say Doc Brown. You can't call the him the doctor. doctor. <laughs> oh, my God. Can you imagine if Christopher Lloyd was the doctor? Where Where, where are we? Oh, yeah. Oh, we just started the match. Hugh Morris versus Kidman. Morris works over Kidman to start. Kidman starts a comeback, including a head scissor, then tries to dive to the outside, which Morris catches and drives Kidman's back into the ring post. Morris then calls from a chair, but when he goes to grab it, Kidman hits Stratisfaction. It's not a Stratisfaction yet. Kidman does do a nice drop kick in this, though. I always like. I'm always so like impressed by the standing drop kicks where they jump up and like they kick them at face level. I think that's so impressive. Bob Holly is the king of that. Yeah, it looks so cool. Randy Orton used to do a really good one really? of those, and then he decided, nah. nah. Yeah, did you catch the uh, "fat boy sucks" chance during this? Yeah, I couldn't tell that it was that, but it it wouldn't shock me. I'm pretty sure that's what it was because I was listening to it for a minute, but I don't really know that I would call Hugh Morris like a fat boy when people like you know Bam Bam Bigelow are on the roster. <laughs> wow. Sorry, I just like in comparison, like I like Bam Bam. <laughs> Also, like, I don't think that was a thing. So it's just weird. Yeah, it was. No, no, no. I'm saying, like, a thing going into tonight. Like, it wasn't, like, a recurring chant for him. So no, I'm, like, but Bam Bam Bigelow has gotten Fat Boy Sucks chants before. So I'm like, if that's the comparison, like, I don't really see it. So, so Kidman then punches Jimmy Hart off the apron and then gets press slammed onto a setup chair in the middle of the ring. It, it could have looked worse. I was worried. I'm like, oh, this yeah. could go bad in a lot of ways. I'm like, okay. Fine. Didn't look bad. Like Hugh Morris is a shoot dickhead, but the the man can work a bit. I don't think I knew that he was a oh a yeah shoot dickhead. oh Aww. yeah. Like um, got fired and potentially sued for like abusing the trainees. Oh yeah, allegedly. Morris then decides, you know what? I'm gonna try for a power bomb. Yes. <laughs> and what happens, Emily? He gets face busted. <laughs> He gets his face all busted. Kidman busts all over his face. That's not what I said. Kidman then hits the shooting star press, which didn't terrify me, and gets the win. It was actually a very nice looking shooting star press. Yeah. I thought. It was actually not a bad match. No, I actually did enjoy this match. Yeah. I mean, I enjoy Billy Kidman, so. Yeah, it's like, they didn't try to do too much, which I think was a nice element of it. And like I said, Morris can work. It just isn't interesting. Yeah, that's he, true. He needs somebody in there like Kidman or like, you know, he had a good match with Ray. I, he had a good match with like, um, it was like Finley. Like he, Hugh Morris has had some decent matches on this, on this podcast. I guess he has. I just, they're not very memorable, I guess. Yeah, I, it might have been, I forget it's Finley or Hack, but Funlich. it was just like, oh, good. It's not Brian Nobbs. So it's something. Right. It's something that you actually want to pay attention to. <laughs> Next up, we get a Mean Gene interview with Ric Flair. And just Ric Flair and Arn Anderson come out. No Asia tonight. Minus randomly later. Asia is being phased out of this group. Yeah, but she was barely even phased in, let's be honest. Yeah. She has not said a single word, I don't know. No, think. she hasn't said a single word. They haven't really like played her up as like an actual character in the Flair universe. You haven't gotten much. The FCU. Yeah. They're really flushing that out. 
If you want to be caught up, you have to watch uh, 23 movies in a very specific order. I'm really looking forward to that David Flair origin story. (laughs) (laughs) So Rick says it's good to be the president and then heals on the crowd, including threatening threatening to sleep with a lot of people's mothers. Yeah, that's like the go-to. I guess this is like the era of like your mom jokes. Yeah. I I did laugh at the verbiage of like, take your mom, make her go, woo, woo, woo. That's objectively funny, but also gross. Yeah. I'll put it this way. The way he's describing it makes it sound like the the women will be consenting to it. It's not like I'm going to forcibly make them do that. That's true. Which is, like, good. It's more like a I'm so sexy, of course they'd want to kind of thing. Right. So, and they're irresistible. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll take that. I'd rather that. He then removes his jacket, which prompts Gene to tell him to keep the laundry on. Oh, there was somebody in the audience that had a uh, poster that said, Space Mountain closed for repairs. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't even a Ric Flair sign. It's just like, hey, I'm notifying everyone. <laughs> in case you're in line in Disneyland. Yeah. If somehow Nitro is on, just like, hey, you might want to go ride Splash Mountain. <laughs> so Flair says tonight he's going to make a major coup happen. Ooh. It's a little close to the anniversary. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Did our... Uh... Our milk hasn't expired yet. No, it wasn't that. For what it's worth, the uh, first episode of this year came out on January 5th. Yikes. <laughs> wow, really? Oh, oh, God, what's going to happen the day after we release this? <laughs> So he asked Roddy Piper to be his vice president of the world. Of the world. Which, yeah, they're just casually dropping that in every now and again. It's like, oh yeah, Flair's still crazy. Yeah, they used to call that out more. Like, or at least I guess Gene did. Arn would do it, Arn would do it. Yeah, they would call it like, yeah, you're not the president of the world. You're just the president of WCW. Like, he, he would call it out. And now he's just like, ah, you know, it's Flair being Flair, I guess. So he kind of calls for Roddy Piper to come out. And it's very quiet. There's a lot of weird audio shit that happens in the next 90 seconds because six bagpipe players, which is there, is there an official name for that? You're the more musically inclined one of the two I of us. I don't think so. Or at least as far as I know, I just called them like a bagpipe band. Bagpipers? Bagpipers. Yes. That's actually, that's actually true. Probably, yeah. So six bagpipers come out and then Roddy Piper comes out. And for some reason, it seems like the only mics picking these guys up is the one on the camera shooting them. Because when they go to the wide, you like can't hear them at all. Or like at one point they're in the ring where you still hear them actually playing a little bit like in the background. I'm like, guys, you Which can stop. Is interesting because if you've ever been in the same room as a live bagpiper, you know that that travels. Yes. That sound travels. We, we, uh, we have left several bars because we see bagpipes coming in. Listen, which happens a little too often in our lives, I'm realizing. You know, you're right. That's happened like three times. It's, it's a very Which niche. isn't a lot, but it's weird that it's happened three times. <laughs> but like, okay, let's be let's be clear. I have absolutely nothing against bagpipers. I have absolutely nothing against I have against nothing the against interest. consensual like, bagpipes. <laughs> I have nothing against no, the that's instrument. that's what it is. I'm not consenting to, to this bagpipe playing in the area I'm in. Fair. I've been to Scotland. I love Edinburgh. I like. I I think that it's a very beautiful instrument, and I think it's a fascinating instrument. I'd like to learn how to play it one day. But if well, I'm the, sitting on, in on a bar, side, you, you only have to learn how to play one song. That is true. There is only one song that's ever been written for the bagpipe. But when I'm sitting in a bar having a drink with my boyfriend and my friends, and I think it was like five or six bagpipers walked in and just started like parading around the bar, I'm gonna leave. Well, 
Well, that was one of them because one of the other times. That was the first one. That was at the Guinness Brewery. Other, well, yeah, another time at the Guinness Brewery, you were already leaving. <laughs> to call and him. you saw them and you texted me like, oh, God, there's bagpipers. And the I'm like, cup. what? And I'm like, get the check. And then the third time we were at brunch and they just like, it was at Five and Dime. And they just like set up in the corner and just started playing. Yeah, there's that. There was also the. Oh God, um, how many times does this happen? There was like the entire bluegrass band that started playing in the yes, corner. Yes, that was also in Five and Dime. That was wild. <laughs> we just kind of get attacked by live music randomly wherever we go. Shout out to the House of Blues in Disney Springs because they oh, actually had the perfect volume for live music. It was perfect. And if you're wondering how this ties into wrestling, WCW used to film at MGM. So there you go. Tied it back in. Reel it back in. Wow, we're going off on a lot of tangents and, today. And eventually it seems like Disney's going to buy WWE. But That's the next logical move. So Roddy Piper's in the ring after the weird audio mixing. And he like very casually agrees to be the VP after cutting this whole... Bill Clinton promo. He needs to relax on Bill Clinton. I know it's a hot topic at the time. But yeah, just like, it is. I'm not even like, oh, go easy on the guy. It's like, you've done the same joke. Yeah, he made some Hillary Clinton sex joke. Uh, I didn't even like take that or, I thought Flair was. made the joke, but I don't even One know. of them does. Yeah. So he like casually mentions, yeah, I'll be the VP. And then like does formally shake Ric Flair's hand. And immediately is like... I know you don't smoke, but if you were suddenly hit by a tobacco truck, uh, would I become president? And I'm like, okay. That's in keeping with Roddy Piper's character. Right. Has the VP role, and it immediately is like, what if I kill this guy and become president? How do I become president? So the two laugh and make dick and sex jokes, and Ugh. this prompts Dean Malenko to come out. And he's like, you know, if someone just woke up from a 15-year coma and turned on Nitro, he would have thought no time had passed. Which He's not like he, wrong. He needed some workshopping on the line I like it though I liked the idea of it it just it came off very cumbersome when he was doing it no but you got the message you understood what he was going for it's the same argument that he's been having of like you know the old timers are taking over and it's time for something new Dean says he's sick and tired of being pushed around and held down he also says he's not asking for the torch he and the younger wrestlers are just going to take it he throws in a couple names there like Perry Saturn Ray Benoit Good. I think you think he does say buff too. Yeah, I think he does. Because uh, they are very much pushing buff. They really are, and like, I kind of appreciate it. I think I, I think I'm starting to like him. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. How dare you? I'm sorry. All right, we'll get to him later though. We got what I thought was going to be the start of an interesting story, and it feels squashed almost immediately because Dean turns to Arn Anderson. It's like a few weeks ago I told you, you know, where I'm at. What about you? Where where are you at? What side are you on? And I was just like, no, I'm on Flair's side. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, God damn it. He also just says, you're either a horseman or you're a casualty of the horseman. Which I like that. I think yeah. that's interesting. Except the horsemen aren't a thing anymore. So the horsemen are the casualties of the horsemen. Apparently. <laughs> so Piper tells Dean it's time to go. And Dean's like, now hold on a second. And then. Now hold on a minute, play up. So then Piper hits him, and the three work over Dean until Buff Bagwell runs down, but then he just gets worked over, too. Yeah. We suddenly cut to backstage where Chris Benoit and Perry Saturn are like, oh my god, are you seeing this? And like, we'll go help them. And then out of nowhere, 
the Jersey Triad attack the two with 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 like, with, uh, with one chair. It's not with chairs. With they just chair. have one chair and they like throw it at one of them. And that's enough to take them both down. Yeah, and then so Jersey Triad beat down Benoit and Saturn, and all the heels just kind of stand tall during this segment. Outside of at the very end of it, Buff Bagwell gets up and gets a random bit of offense as they're going to commercial. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, it's, as a, as you go to commercial, it's like Buff like tries his hard something. I assume he was just going to get worked over again. But the overall segment was a bit messy. I like the story they're setting up. Yeah, and they continue it later. I just I don't trust that it's going to lead to actual change. No, it's not going to lead to actual change. Like we know where this goes. We know how this ends. It doesn't lead to change, but it's interesting. It's an interesting conversation to have. Yeah, I I almost just wonder is this going to in WCW's mind, devalue Flair and Piper, and then just, oh, we still have Nash, Savage, Sid, Hogan, and all those guys. It's like, oh, well, we don't need the younger stars. We still have seven guys. Right. Luger, Goldberg, Sting. Yeah, there's too many main eventers. That is true. I guess I didn't think about the main event card. Eric Bischoff then randomly joins commentary. Yeah, we're not really sure why. Tony and Bobby were doing fine. He starts talking... And then, like, a few, like, minutes later, it's like, oh, yeah, Eric Bischoff joining us. Yeah. After Eric comes on to commentary, Bobby Heenan just kind of shuts up, and he just evaporates, I guess. Ready for this next match, baby? Yeah, this is this is just a... The hits keep coming. And, and they, they don't stop coming. This is why we, we get, keep going off on tangents. We get the cat and Sonny Ono coming out. Ooh. Cat puts on his dancing shoes in the ring, does a little dance, and then takes them off. Again, I'm pretty sure you can wear these. Yeah, they're shoes. You're allowed to wear shoes. The cat calls out Scott Norton, which prompts the NWO music to hit, but no one comes out. And like immediately once it stops playing, the cat starts healing on the crowd a bit and Scott Norton just comes out. Yeah. So it was very weird. Yeah, Norton works the cat over around ringside, which is a very common theme tonight of just immediately go to the outside, brawl around there. Yeah, and it's annoying because they immediately leave the ring and then it takes them a minute to get back in the ring. And I'm like, if I was at this live show, I'd be so annoyed. Well, at various points, they're fighting near you. So it's like, oh. Huh. I mean, yeah, if you're it's like at only ringside. For but if, the you're, crowd, yeah. if you're up in like the next rafter up and you're like, oh, I've got a perfect view of the ring. And then they just aren't in the ring. Like, that's annoying. So the cat hits Norton with a beer can and Scott Norton just no-sells it. It's like, oh, okay. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you, I guess. So I found out why he was not on the pay-per-view. He apparently was having, like, blood pressure issues. Oh. According to him. Mm. He might just not wanted to lose. Blood pressure issues is severe enough that you'd have to go to a doctor? Yeah, and you probably wouldn't be wrestling the next night. Yeah. So back to the match. Norton signals for a powerbomb in the ring, but Sonny Dunn distracts the ref, and the cat hits a low blow. I wrote, what the fuck is this? As Cat gets his dancing shoe on, and then they awkwardly move around the ring, where they blow some sort of spot, because it ends in a ref bump. Yes. But Scott Norton clotheslines the cat, who then immediately kind of, like, gets up and, like, puts his hand up, and I'm just like, what the fuck is... It's so awkward. Like, they just, like, run into each other. And it's weird because the the dancing shoes are supposed to be, like, a superpower or something for the cat. And he puts them on and immediately just gets worked over and worked over. 
It didn't make any sense. Yeah. Oh, and during that awkwardness, the cat tries for a kick, which Tony Cervani calls a roundhouse kick. And Eric Bischoff, having a karate background, is like, oh, God. You got, commentators never know the names of the moves. And then just shits on JR for like a minute or so. Yeah, I kind of like pointed that out to you. I'm like, why are we talking about Jim Ross right now? Yeah, it's because he didn't know the name of a kick. Oh, which we'll get to in a second because... Norton goes for a powerbomb again. Sonny Ono comes in, hits him with a crowbar. Norton kicks out, so Cat hits, quote, a standing sidekick. Wow, what a technical name you had there for that. No one could have guessed that, Eric yeah. Bischoff. Wearing the shoe. And again, why is the shoe illegal? Because he know. takes it off and, like, th- like, like, he, t- like tucks he throws it. it, yeah. Yeah, he, like, tucks it, and then he tries to, like, toss it out of the ring. I'm like... The shoe, shoe is legal. It's a shoe. There's not, like, a blade on the bottom of it. It's a shoe. No, this is not the Young Bucks, like, spiked Jordans kind of thing. Right. Eh. I, I honestly wonder if this was, like, just the exact match they had planned last night. Maybe. But... You know how much I love a cat match. <laughs> I call it a cat fight. <laughs> this match prompted me to look up, when is the B team over? Is just I don't want to know when, but is it soon or is it not soon? Uh, we got a couple more months. <sighs> That's not soon. <laughs> I don't even know. The thing is, I don't know if there's like a, a, a fantastic like flame out or is it just like, oh, yep, they're done. Right. Let's move on to the Nitro Girls. Woo! And then to the next question. Yep. <laughs> there was not much to talk about with the Nitro Girls. We get the Disco Inferno versus Van Hammer. Man, this, uh, this Nitro, again, didn't feel like a slog to watch, but... Um, Man, it's there's when you analyze it, there's not anything interesting going on here. No, like I kept catching myself not taking notes during these matches, and I'm like, oh shit, I gotta take some notes, like I have something to talk about. And I'm just like, what do I note about? There's not, it's it's match. It's a very standard match. It's a match. So as Disco is coming out, Eric Bischoff mentions that Master P will apparently be at next week's Nitro in New Orleans. I think they said they're in the Superdome. In the dome, yeah. Which that'll be interesting to see how empty that is. But yeah, that's a big venue. If I recall correctly, I think they like don't even remotely sell out and like Master P is like, oh yeah, I'll have a bunch of people turn up because I'm there and like it just doesn't happen. And they have to paper a bunch of tickets too, so they're like losing money. Oh. And did you hear what uh is coming up for WW? I did not. It's gonna be the Nitro Musical Summer. What? No, I missed that. Which also, I'm picturing Nitro the Musical. That's what I'm picturing. <laughs> you know how much money I would pay to see Nitro the Musical? Top fucking dollar. Yeah, so we'll see what Nitro Musical Summer actually adds up to. I mean, going on their track record of music, it's gonna be maybe a live performance by Master P. The end. I don't know if it's during this summer, but we will eventually get Kiss. Really? On WCW? Yep. That's a big money. That's a big money. <laughs> That's a big ticket name. Yeah. And um, it's a big money, too. That's what I'm thinking. It's like, it's got to be a big monetary loss for WCW. Oh, yeah. Yes. Come on. Uh, but we'll, we'll get there when we get there. Oh, yeah. Disco and Van Hammer. Uh, no entrance video for Van Hammer, which we, th- we thought was kind of interesting. Because music just plays, and I'm just like, oh, this is somebody. I'm like, it's probably Van Hammer, because why not? Yeah, I couldn't even tell you, like, does he have intro music at oh, all? Oh, yeah, he period? has music, just it's nothing special. Yeah, I don't know what it would be. 
He's still rocking the no piece onesie. Yeah, which that that'll get stolen later later tonight. This is an awkward slow squash match to start. Like these guys don't work well together. Also, Disco is just having an off night. He has stomps and kicks in this match that are so bad and so soft. So the kicks that he was doing to Van Hammer in the corner, I deemed them horse kicks because of like how his leg was going. It very much looked like a horse stomping at him. Sorry, you mentioned a horse. and Now my brain just goes to Terry Funk. My horse is sick. I think he's dying. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I can't be involved in this terrible angle. My horse is sick. I think, I think he's, he's dying. dying. <laughs> Fucking love Terry Funk. By the way, we that is not the only Terry Funk and a horse thing we will talk about in this podcast. <laughs> when you put it like that, it just sounds weird. I'm aware. Terry Funk and a horse. We we will we will see a very prominent moment in wrestling involving Terry Funk and a horse, <laughs> which will result in, in Terry Funk just yelling at the horse, "You fucking horse!" There's <laughs> nothing fun, nothing really interesting in this match except no, not really. Hammer hits like a whip power slam, which picks up the crowd, and then they slow things back down, which loses, which immediately loses the crowd again. Just when this thing couldn't get a little more, you know, slow and down. Eric Bischoff, he's like, oh, yeah, I talked to Bret Hart. He's, like, super sad. Um, yeah. He'll be, be back eventually, we, we think. Why are, why are we bringing this up right now? Like, yay, it's nice that you have compassion and you have a heart. But, like, we're in the middle of a match, bud. Yeah, except for the fact that he is also defending firing Davy Boy Smith while injured. Uh. So it's like, oh, yeah, Hart family. You know, one of them. We yeah. love one. We get some mild Goldberg chants from the crowd. I think. I think it was Goldberg. I don't think it was boring. I couldn't even tell. I think it was Goldberg. I think you're right. I heard the chanting. We get a two-handed choke slam from Hammer. Disco starts to come back shortly after. But Hammer screws up taking a swinging neckbreaker. Like, it looks real bad. Like, not unsafe bad. Just like, oh, okay, I just could awkwardly turn and that's a bump, I guess. Was this, like, towards the end of the match? Yeah. Yeah, I guess that, that did come off really awkward looking. It looked like a it looked like a botch. It looked like they had something oh, yeah, else. Did. It looked like it, something else was planned, and they like changed it on the fly. Yeah, I don't I don't know what he thought yeah. was gonna happen there. Disco goes for the last dance, which is the stunner, which Tony suddenly calls the chart buster. Yeah, you notice this. Like, why can't we call it the last dance? I don't know. But Hammer counters it and pushes Disco into the ref. Disco then hits a running swinging neckbreaker, which is different from the other move, but the ref is still down, so he can't get the pin. Hammer then wins with, like, a back suplex. It was such an unimpressive yeah. move. It was like, And like, really, this is what you're going to win with? This yeah. is what you're going for? It, it, and the crowd was like, oh, that's it? Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. I got nothing for this match. It was, it was a match. I mean, I guess Van Hammer's kind of working his way up opponents. Disco is better than some of the guys he's faced, but he's higher up than Mikey Whipwreck. True. It's disappointing to see Desco having an off night because I, I feel like we're starting to like him. Yeah, at the very least, like okay, he'll he'll put on something decent. Exactly. And this did this felt less than decent. The, yeah, this was this was a skipper. And before we leave this segment, Eric Bischoff confirms that Dennis Rodman will be coming back soon. We also see they, uh, the, honestly, this whole magazine spread with a controversial article. I'm so happy they provided a visual for who Dennis Rodman is. Because I haven't wanted to say up until this point, I don't know who the fuck Dennis Rodman is. I know. I keep thinking he's an actor. No, he's a basketball player. I thought he was a middle-aged white man. <laughs> no, he's very much not. He's a young, attractive black man, and I'm like, wow. Uh, really? I, he's not bad looking. He's a weird dude, man. 
well, I, I don't know him. I don't know. I don't know who the fuck he is. Yeah, you, uh, so I've just been embarrassed up to this point to be like, who's Dennis Rodman? Maybe one of these nights before he shows up, we'll watch the episode of The Last Dance all about Dennis Rodman. Okay. Which is also just... I yeah. didn't watch The Last Dance. You did. No. Yeah. <laughs> Which, believe that episode has a cameo from Carmen Electra, <laughs> who was also rumored to be driving the White Hummer at some point. Oh, my God. We then get Nitro stills of the tag team title match last night. Which, for some reason, prompts the next match. Like, there's no really rhyme or reason of when they air the Nitro stills. Yeah, they really aren't. Because the next match is Fit Finley versus Brian Knobs with Jimmy Hart. Yeah. Finley's hair looked less bad. I didn't really take note of his hair. He's had some bad haircuts recently, and it looked a little more like an actual haircut here. Mm. And Knobs finally has music. It's not memorable music, but yeah, it's music. Yeah, he did have music. I did take note of that. Yeah, it's it's very much WCW music. So this is where I noticed that Jimmy Hart is wearing the Faces of Fear jacket. Mm. I'm just like trying to get your, your boys on TV, I guess. So Finley blindsides Knobs and throws him into the ring posts and the stairs. And as mentioned previously, they just brawl around ringside. Yeah. Again, I don't even think they got into the ring to start this match. On commentary, Eric Bischoff mentions that multiple people saw what they believed to be a woman driving the White Hummer. And that's three. I'm sure it will be revealed soon. They literally said that. They're like, oh, I'm sure we'll find out soon. Stay tuned. We get Pity City to Finley in the ring. Get a power slam from Knobs, but Finley kicks out. Eric Bischoff then starts talking about multiple people being on the shelf and actually names Goldberg. Mm. I'm like, oh, you guys haven't even said his name in a little while. So I guess he signed the contract. No, not yet, apparently. No, okay. But I thought they were trying to not say his name until he signed the contract. I don't know. He also... Kind of implies that Hulk Hogan should be back soonish. Ish. Yeah, I don't know how soon soonish is, but fair. I don't know. I'm not excited for him to be back. I'm good without him. Haven't missed him. Knobs then pie faces the ref, which just blinds him for some reason. <laughs> Say it with me. Refs are glass. I That's thought it. WWE they're idiots. They are idiot glass. So it blinds long enough for Jimmy Hart to come in and swing at Finley. But Finley catches the chair just enough, but has to like drop to a knee to like fully catch it with the momentum. Because Jimmy Hart did not do a light swing. It didn't look <laughs> like it was like, nope, I'm swinging this for real, and you can catch it, right? So yeah, I think it was. I think it must have been last week, or or no, the at the Great American Brawl where no bash. Sorry, the bash, <laughs> the last one that we that we watched, where Jimmy Hart was chucking the the chairs, and he was my MVP for it. I think. Yeah. He didn't have the same spunk and pizzazz in this match. No. So Finley's holding the chair with Jimmy Hart. Nobs runs at Nobs run, runs at Nobs runs at them. That's a weird sentence Nobs to say. Run, mm-hmm. Yeah. Nobs runs at them. <laughs> it just feels wrong. I want to say Nobs runs. So Finley manages to reverse the chair into a running Nobs, which also just sounds weird. <laughs> running Nobs. <laughs> and while the ref is still down, Suddenly, Hack is on the apron and just clocks Nobs with with the kendo he stick. Snuck up there, yeah, out and, of nowhere. And Finley gets the win. I did like that. Finley did not look thrilled. It's like mm, I wanted to win on my own. I didn't. I didn't appreciate the interference. Like okay, yeah, and like I like those storylines. Like mm, I, you, I owe you one now, and now I'm on your your debt list or something. Eh, it's not even. I, I don't. I didn't read it as I owe you one. It was a I wanted to win this on my own, and you fucked with that. Fair. 
It's like that. It's like this is my pride, and you just fuck. Uh, you know. So the what I what I said is how I thought the um, like Booker T. Stevie Ray storyline was. Oh yeah, what happened to that? Uh, yeah, as I'm saying it, I'm like we haven't seen Stevie Ray in a minute. We've seen Booker T. In even longer. We haven't <laughs> seen Booker T. In a minute. Where is he? I wonder if he's injured. So the hardcore title has to be coming soon, right? Like you you have all these guys and all these hardcore matches. Just bring out the title. No. Thoughts on the match itself? I had none really. Yeah, it was fine. It was fine. Frankly, their hardcore stuff is at least usually entertaining. That's true. It's entertaining when we get a finish, and when it's it, the, the times I'm disappointed is usually when Brian Nobbs runs in. Which again, I'm like, put him in every match that way he doesn't interfere and ruin things. Right. Yeah. It's like, look, Hack managed to interfere and have it be part of the finish, not just. Oh, I'm going to come in and now this match isn't a match anymore. Right. I will give Hack all the props in the world for how sneaky he came in and came out. Yeah. Like, that was was good. But this wasn't like a fun hardcore, I don't think. Like, we've had funner. So we come back from commercial to a big close-up with um, this woman in the crowd. Emily, who is it? After being told by you, it's Sable. Well, you wouldn't know it, but from commentary, because they very Who is much this mysterious. Woman? No, they don't say they don't give her the mysterious treatment. It's just very much a uh, oh, you know, I uh, I've opened up a, a Playboy before, but uh, they like did you not mention it's Sable or Rena Mero or anything like that. Oh. Okay, I thought they mentioned. Like, no, the they are very careful not to because I did catch the, the Playboy line. Yeah, because. She very recently quit WWE. She quit WWE? Yeah, there's a whole thing of... She was going through a contract dispute where basically she's like, all right, I'm the head of the women's division. Why am I not paid like Steve Austin? Mm-hmm. Well, I, told, I can tell you why. Well, yeah. I, I <laughs> there's told, a very key word in that sentence you just said. What is it? Women. Oh, I thought it was going to be that Steve Austin can wrestle. No, it's the women's division. So I've mentioned this to you multiple times, but do you remember the story of the women's title changing hands because someone got stripped? It's like an evening guy match, like, you know, whoever got stripped wins the title. Yeah, but I remember who was involved. Uh, Sable. Was it Sable? That's how okay. they got the title off of her because she wanted all this and was in a contract dispute. And that's like, all right, this is how we very casually get it off of her without her, I guess, having to lose. Well. So she's in that and she recently decided I'm quitting. And is now just turning up on Nitro. It's like, you're still under contract. That's not how that works. Interesting. So. But they didn't mention that it was her. So I'm wondering if this is like a loophole in her contract. Like, she didn't sign anything with WCW. She's just going yeah, to a it's show. Yeah, a, it's a weird legal gray area. Yeah, it's like, even if you signed like a, non-dis- a non-compete, like, you're not on the show. You're not part of the show. You're just in the audience. Yeah, at the same time, it's like, I doubt they want Goldberg, who's in contract disputes with them, showing up in the front row of no, Raw. But, but like you said, it's a legal gray area, and I'm wondering if he could, if he wanted to. Yeah, so one of the other reasons why she apparently quit was, actually, they mentioned the Playboy thing. Mm-hmm. Apparently, she negotiated privately with Playboy um. to do a second issue, because uh, her first one came out earlier in the year. Apparently, she's one of like very few people in history to have two Playboy covers in the same year. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. I will be honest. I have no idea how often Playboy currently or then comes out. Yeah, I have no idea. I only read it for the articles. Yeah. So, so apparently in the WWE contract, it's a uh, thing of like, no, we act as your agent on behalf of these things. It's very similar to like current day sort of stuff. Yeah, where it's like, we want part of your Twitch money. And everyone's like, go fuck yourself. Exactly. 
I don't think she ever turns up in WCW again. Oh, really? So I that's why I'm think thinking so. this might have just been like dangling the carrot. I'm like, I could. I could go. Well, we'll talk about it now. Based on the fact that last week, when they were pushing all of the White Hummer angle, one of the names thrown out there was Sable. Oh. I think the plan was for it to be Sable. And they couldn't, you know, because of lawsuits and all that, they couldn't sign her. And so I'm wondering, next week or the week after, are they going to drop the mystery? I think it was supposed to be Sable. Interesting. Why would it have been Sable, though? Oh, I, I have no fucking clue with that. That doesn't make any sense. But interesting. Because they are, they are talking it up a lot this week. I don't know. That'd be interesting. Yeah, that's my loose theory of like, um, maybe it was meant to be her. And then it just, again, oh, it's something that looks poorly on Eric Bischoff. So it's like... Drop I, it, yeah. Yeah. Well, after that, they didn't have a plan for who it would be. So he's not wrong. Right. I don't know. I'm curious to see if it gets dropped in the next week or two based on the legal status of this. So last note on the Sable thing. We rewound to this because she is in the front row sitting with two gentlemen who were totally not security guards. Totally not. Just buddies. And we went back to the beginning of the episode and it's like, oh yeah, she's not there throughout the entire rest of the episode. She shows up for this. And then she leaves. Yeah. It's like, no. So Kevin Nash then comes out wearing an Arizona Diamondbacks hat for some reason. And flip-flops. Yeah, we didn't realize that until later. He's wearing flip-flops. No socks, but jeans. Why would you wear socks with flip-flops? Well, he's not wearing socks. He's just wearing long pants. Oh, just the way you said, oh, no socks on him, though. No, just no, no, no. Like, like, <laughs> well, it was already a weird fashion faux pas, is what I'm saying. There's a lot going on in this look. It was stupid. So, as he kind of gets in the ring, Eric Bischoff just suddenly shushes Tony and Bobby. Like, I want to hear what he has to say. It's like, they weren't even really talking. And he's not going to say anything important because it's Kevin Nash. He's going to come out. He's going to shout out the city. He's going to say Wolfpack's in the house. He's going to say something. Oh, yeah. That was even the, the funnier bit. Like, I want to hear what he has to say. And he's like, DC. Wolfpack is. No, it's Big Sexy. He doesn't do Wolfpack. Oh, you're right. He's Big Sexy's in the house. Big Sexy in the house. Does his uh, Leaning on the Ropes promo. So Nash says that if Savage actually won, he'd have the title. He's not sure what Savage is smoking. Just say he didn't actually beat you. Why, Why are is this we dancing so hard? around this? Like, I feel like we had a similar moment with fucking Hogan doing this too, where he just like pretends he fucking won. And it's like, will someone just say you didn't actually do this? Why is that so hard? Why can't we just say like, yeah, the other guy's lying. He didn't pin me. I love it. It's so simple. I love to have one face character. Like just have like Booker T come out, be like, Bro, you didn't win. And it's like, and that's it. Like, have one trustworthy character. Just like, yeah. Like, okay. We have we, none of those. Like, have one voice of reason character. We ain't got no voice of reason. So Nash says he's here to talk to Sid and challenges him for a title match later tonight. And there's constant cuts to Sable during this promo. Yeah. But, and by the way, we should note, anytime they cut to her, she's just awkwardly looking around. Like, she doesn't do anything. No. Just, she's here. She's watching the show. Yeah, but like everyone around her is like, oh, on camera. Hey, she's just, hello. I'm watching the show. She has that Master P charisma. True. <laughs> Honestly, just, oh man, we, we, we've managed to skip a lot of Sable, but um, she is a diabolical promo. Is she? <laughs> oh God, yeah. She, actually, she and Kevin Nash have a lot in common. It's amazing how much you can do in wrestling if you just have a look that that people like. That's it. 
It's all it's all they are is a look. Big sexy is just attractive to and some, even then. not to me. I think he's disgusting looking. I wouldn't touch him with a ten foot pole. But to some, he is the peak of perfection. We then we don't even cut to it. We then see on the screens in the arena that Sid is cutting a promo backstage. Kevin Nash is calling out Sid, in case we didn't say that already. We've been jumping around. So we don't have a feed to that promo until we randomly do, because the main screen they're trying to show has some sort of weird color or, like, contrast issue, so it looks like shit. Yeah. There's one next to it that actually looks fine. They try to zoom in on it, and then eventually they just straight up cut to it. And it is a traditional Sid shouty promo, where Mm. I was disappointed because I coun't hear most of it, but this is also par for the course for Sid. Him being shouty and bad. Oh, bad. How dare you say bad? Ah. That man just shouts and that's the promo. <laughs> I love a good Sid shouty promo. Because also it's it's mixed in with the, if you're doing a Sid promo, you have to whisper. And then you bring it up real high without that's, your teeth leaving like each other. Randy Savage. Oh, they're very similar. <laughs> Especially my impression of them, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> your impression between them is the finest of lines. Oh yeah, and the Hogan one is also similar. Good, they're all from the same era. Fair, that that style of promo, the the whisper to the shout, is also very ECW. ECW yeah. has a lot more whisper promos. Yeah, it, although their teeth do separate. They do. You're right. So I guess it agrees because they're like, oh, title match later. It's like, oh, okay, is that what he said? No, so there's a match for the belt tonight. All right. No, Sid promos are something to look forward to each week, in my opinion. Okay. They're not, it's kind of like Ultimate Warrior promos, where they're not always going to be coherent, but it's just going to be a fun mess. (laughs) We then get Nitro stills of Piper versus Flair, which prompts our eight-man tag, which they had announced earlier. We forgot the note. Did they mention it earlier? Yes. I didn't catch the announcement. I just, like, as this was was happening, I, I was like, oh, I guess this is happening. Yeah, it is Ric Flair, Roddy Piper, DDP, and Canyon with Bam Bam Bigelow. No Arn with him. No. Versus Chris Benoit, Perry Saturn, Dean Malenko, and Buff Bagwell. It's an uh, alternate universe radicals. Ugh, can you imagine? <laughs> Buff Bagwell instead of uh, Eddie Guerrero. Oh, God. Would have been a lot less fun. Oh, I don't think it's his name. Where the fuck has Eddie Guerrero been? Maybe he decided he wasn't ready to come back. Yeah, I don't know. Because like, oh, he, he was on commentary that one week. Yeah. And he didn't wrestle. And we haven't really seen him in the ring since that. So maybe he's just like, maybe that was his like, hey, guys, I'm still alive. I'm still here. But he wasn't ready to be in the ring yet. So the heels all come out to Ric Flair's music, which I thought was weird until all the faces come out to Buff Bagwell's music. That was even weirder. Yeah. And I was just like, I mean, I guess he has the most prominent theme song of the four. Like, I don't even know if Dean currently has a theme song considering his was the horseman theme and Benoit might not even still have one. I guess yeah, Saturn has one them, that I'm thinking of is the horseman theme. Yeah. And Saturn was coming out to Raven's theme for a while. So this is just a mess of, I guess so Buff the only one that has a theme. I'm actually defaults. wondering in hindsight, did all the heels come out to Flair's theme song? Cause they didn't have enough theme songs to the faces. Maybe. I know they were low on time, but I'm like, wait a minute. It might've just been this. So Buff keeps trying to high five his teammates and none of them seem into it. Which is just kind of sad. I'd high five. Never leave a bro hanging. So all eight men start brawling to start the match. And they try to do a spot of all four faces standing on the ropes. But Buff is still punching. I think it's Piper. And then Piper Piper drops to the ground. So Buff gets up. 
So yeah, so Buff drops with him and then gets back up. And then when Buff gets back up, Perry Saturn gets down. He's like, oh, you guys fucked up the visual. Yeah. It was a really cool visual or like a good potential visual. Match starts. We get a big back body drop to Flair early on and then a snap suplex by Benoit. DDP runs in and Benoit slaps on the crossface and the rest of the heels like run in to like break it up, which they've really been putting over the crossface. It's like, this is a move where if he gets it on you, you lose. Oh. It's like, he could get it on quick and it's like, no, 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 break it up, break it up, quick, 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 quick. Like, yeah, that's true. Which is good. Like, show him as scary and, oh. Im- well, not show him as scary. Show him as like a competitor. Yeah, like, I keep wanting to say dangerous. And I'm like, that's not that's a fun word for not. that either. So Piper comes in and wants to fight Bagwell. Can we talk about the red crotch pants? I think they're on Chris Benoit. Yes. The, the big red crotch. The the under, yeah, the under crotch. Yeah, it's just, it's not a good look. Whenever you have a primary color on the underside of your crotch, it's just, it looks like something happened. Something went wrong down there. Looks like he X-Pac'd himself. I wasn't thinking that. but Oh, speaking of X-Pac, which I, by the way, I oh, literally no. did not bring up Xbox for that to bring this up. However, because you're talking about Sable, um, oh, no. Sable got a parting gift on her way out of the WWF. Oh no! Um, somebody, and you know nobody knows who, but uh, Sean Watman tells this story laughing every time he, he tells it. Uh, decided to, uh, to apparently take a little shit in Sable's handbag. Uh, oh, I've heard that story. Which I, I think that's I think that's oh. the story because there's also the Randy Orton. Shit in a in a handbag story. I think they merge where Randy Orton's might have been in like, like a Tupperware container or something. Ew. I don't know. Why? I don't know. Why? So Piper, I got to give credit, is trying hard to make these guys look good. I feel like. like he's willing to make himself look a little dumb and is like letting the guys get their shots in on him. There's one point where literally like Buff punches Piper near the face corner and he literally just like goes over to each of them and is like yeah give me a shot like everybody punch me kind of thing it's like okay he's trying roddy piper gets it and he's not so egomaniacal that he won't let somebody else have a moment i don't think rick flair would ever do that well eh, based on the finish of this match i have to disagree <sighs> we get a spot of benoit and flair jockeying for a pin and benoit goes to do the the bridge kind of spot and he struggles with it. It's like, oh, honey, no, stop doing the spot. Oh. He does eventually get it, though. And very suddenly, we go to commercial and come back, and Asia's there. They don't highlight her. She's just walking around ringside. Doesn't factor into anything. But you barely even see her walking around ringside. You only noticed her because she, like, popped in on the corner, the bottom corner of the, the screen. Yeah. Yeah, so she's, like, there, but they are not bringing any attention to her. Benoit locks in a figure four and flair. And then one by one, everybody gets in the ring and all four faces lock in a figure four on a member of the heel team. I thought this was such a cool spot. Oh, yeah. It was definitely a fun spot. I thought this was really cool. This and like what the visual could have been of the four of them. Like, I think that's awesome. I'm going to pretend that that worked. So the referee is looking at somebody and Bam Bam Bigelow just comes in and drops a leg drop on, on Chris Benoit. I'm like, really? That's how you got out of it? Okay. Yeah. We get a falling famouser from the corner to Benoit from Canyon. It's like, oh. A falling famouser? Yeah. What's that move? It's Billy Gunn's finisher where you kind of have like the back of your knee on the person's neck and you kind of like drive their face into the ground. We then get a diving axe handle to a cradled Chris Benoit from DDP and Canyon, which is becoming like part of their arsenal because they did that move last time too. Yeah, they've definitely done that before. 
they do the spot of Benoit picking up DDP to get closer to his corner, which like, I guess they like that spot too because that's a very they've cool done that a couple spot. times. It just shows how strong the opponent is. And in addition to spots that they've done before, they do the missed hot tag to Perry Saturn. Yeah, Jesus, guys. Like I said, these refs are idiots, and they did this. They did this last week a lot. At least they only did the one time in this one, but. We then get a flying nothing from DDP, which leads to a hot tag to Buff Bagwell, which Dean Malenko barely got in this match at all. I'm yeah, wondering, he really didn't. wondering if he's a little banged up too. Maybe. Yeah, I guess I didn't notice that until you just said that. So Buff manages to hold his own against against all four men, but eventually everyone comes in and it gets a bit crazy. I just don't hate Buff in this storyline. I think that he fits in well, and I don't think that he's being annoying. I know this is killing you that I'm praising him. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't hate him. Shut up. I don't disagree, but shut up. <laughs> See? Hey. At least this week. I, I mean, granted, at the pay-per-view, he cost Roddy Piper the presidency like a fucking idiot. I mean, yes. So, in all the confusion, Buff hits a blockbuster on Ric Flair in the ring and gets the pin. It's like, oh, shit. Yeah, they let Buff get the pin over I, Flair. I, I, I said to you, I'm like, oh, I bet Canyon takes the pin here. Yeah, yeah. No? It was wild. This was by far the best match tonight. Yeah, this is pretty, this a pretty good match. I liked it a lot. It was a lot of Chris Benoit. Like, didn't seem like anybody else had a lot to do. Like, Perry Saturn was barely in this Perry match. Perry Saturn wasn't really in it. Dean <sighs> was virtually non-existent in it. Canyon had a couple of moves. Yeah. DDP wasn't in a ton. But, I mean, all Roddy the... Roddy Piper was heavy in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. We'll see how they continue a buff, but this feels like a big moment for him. Yes. And we'll see how he handles that. Working our way through. We got three matches left. Yeah, I'm getting kind of nervous because I was hoping that while we were talking, I'd come up with an MVP. I haven't. Yeah. It is Hack with Chastity versus Rick Steiner. When coming out, Eric Bischoff remarks about Chastity. She's a movie star, you know? Hmm. Referring to her porn. I mean, the hairstyle she has doesn't really help. Yeah. Looks like she just rolled out of bed. Yeah. And he also says, Hack, no cigarette this week? It's like, shut the fuck up, Eric. Rick Steiner comes out in jeans and a Nitro Crew zip-up hoodie. <laughs> like, why? I think that he lost. He left his jacket in a hotel room or in someone's car and just couldn't find it. Because, like... This is a hardcore match, so it feels excusable. But he's definitely worn that jacket to a hardcore match before. And, like, you take it off. He doesn't wrestle in the jacket. Yeah, I don't know. They brawl around ringside. Shocker. They uh, involve some chairs, then go up the ramp and, like, immediately go backstage. Like, they do not mess around and get into there. I was hoping that when they went backstage, there would be dogs. I know. So was I. I was really hoping. <gasps> puppies? <laughs> no puppies. So... Hack gets thrown into a bunch of guardrails and then a ladder, and they're like very clearly brawling towards this one area. Yeah. Uh, they brawl towards an SUV and then fight on top of it, including Hack taking a bump like from the top of the car to the hood. I'm like, ooh, that looked sore. Yeah. There's also a Harley Davidson sitting around there, which Hack rips off like the muffler and some other piece. And Eric Bischoff was like, how how dare you guys? Like, a truck is one thing, but that's like a $30,000 bike. I mean, even I was kind of like, whoa, don't fuck with the bikes. Because we had a, a traumatic moment in my family years and years ago that included my father's car running into three motorcycles and totaling them. So we had to spend a lot of money on that. So I know how much motorcycles cost and how crazy motorcycle people are. It was a parking brake thing, right? It wasn't, it wasn't him crashing into them? It was a parking brake thing and... We think it was a sabotage parking brake thing. Fair. 
Because he had like an open air um, Jeep. So we think somebody just wanted his parking spot. <laughs> Let it roll. <laughs> so Hack hits Rick with part of the Harley he ripped off. And they just kind of generally brawl around the vehicle. Like it's nothing interesting. No, but there was also, there were three vehicles. Four. There was the SUV. There the was SUV. the motorcycle. There was the RV in the background. Yeah. And then there was like a black Hummer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I missed the SUV. That was the first one they, they were re- Okay, maybe I'm on. confusing that with the Hummer. But no, it doesn't matter. The camper. I wish they had done more with that. Because that could have been fun. If they like went into the camper. Yeah. There's a moment where Rick chokes out Hack with the muffler. And Hack's like dead. And then he just releases and it's like, oh, I guess you didn't want I guess want he's to... fine. Yeah. He just like gets back up and I'm like, you could have won right there. What the fuck? So they're wrestling around a black Hummer, which I'm like, ooh. <laughs> like, white Hummer, what a black Hummer. It would have been great if that was the white Hummer back there. That would have been like, if they would something with the story at least, that would have been adding to the like mystique of it. Like, oh, yeah, the white Hummer's here. Yeah, but if you have the spot you have, then people are going to think somebody else was driving it. It would add to it. So... Rick drops Hack into a black Hummer, and then suddenly Sting just emerges out of it and attacks <laughs> Rick. Throws Steiner through the uh, the RV wall, and then brings him out to the arena. Hits him with a bat on the stage, and then Sting like cuts a promo. Sting, yeah. Sting then goes to the ring, and let's just add more Jim Carrey characters to his repertoire because he then goes, "Riddle me this, riddle me that." Who's afraid of a big black bat? It was weird. Which, that's not, at least 95% of a line from Batman Forever, which yeah. came out in 97. So somebody went to the movies. Yeah, but he also, you know, it's showtime. It's the mask. It's showtime. Why are you Jim Carrey? Maybe he was just really inspired. He saw the mask and he was like, wow, this is it. So he then goes back to beating up Rick Steiner after his promo and just carries Rick to the back, and that's it. That's it. The end. Yeah, it was so weird. I liked the backstage brawling, because I don't feel like we get that a lot. And oh, I got I, I disagree with you. Yeah? I thought this I think was, it's an interesting change of scenery. I thought it was boring. They didn't do anything fun with it. Minus Rick getting thrown through this really flimsy wooden wall of the RV. It's like, you did nothing dismantling the uh, motorcycle with their hands. Yeah. I feel like you could have been more You could have had more fun with it, it yeah. but like I thought it was an in- a good change of scenery. Get out of the ring. Like it's different. Well, we also don't get a winner in this match again, which also yeah. annoyed me. Cutting a promo in the middle of the match too, that was interesting. Well, it was the match had already ended, I well, guess. Well, it could have then. been the middle of the match because it really hadn't ended. Now that the match the night before. Yeah. See, that's what I thought was going to happen. Honestly, was Sting was going to be there like, you never beat me last night. It was false count anywhere. Right. That and, would have been more interesting. And especially with it being non-title, it's like, you could have done that. But no, I, I, for some reason, they didn't. Yeah. I thought that could have been an interesting story. And then they're just like, nope. They disagreed. They go to commercial when we come back. We have a really uh, solemn mo- moment with somebody holding an Owen Hart sign. And it's like, Can oh. we stop cutting to this? Yeah. I'll know. try to move on from that as quickly as they do. Because they just like, really, oh, yep, next match. Hey, look, a sign. Anyway. It is Laparka and Psychosis versus Ray and Conan. Which was an interesting choice of opponents. But we like Laparka. Yes. And I don't mind Psychosis. My issue with him is him in tag matches because he doesn't know to stay in his goddamn corner. Yeah. <laughs> Which happens at one point in this match, and I'd say that he's mostly the legal man, so they managed to 
work around it. Actually, I think I just realized why they didn't have him work with Kurt Hennig and uh, Barry Windham. Yeah. I We talked about this before. I don't know if he speaks English. Oh, right, right, right. Maybe. I, yeah, that just occurred to me. That that very well could be it. So Ray and Conan do what might be a new theme, but is definitely a dubbed theme. Yes. And they come out with about 20 fucking people. It's all the No Limit Soldiers. And you can tell it's dubbed because you can't hear commentary for shit during no, this. No, yeah. Hope there wasn't anything important there. I'm assuming that they originally played like a masterpiece song. Potentially. And then that copyright didn't work or whatever. Which I thought was weird having Master P here, considering you hyped up he's going to be there next week. And it's like, oh, he's here tonight too. Right. Like you didn't hype him up like, oh, he'll be here later. It's like, no. Uh-huh. So Conan cuts his regular Spanglish promo, which I picked up on something this time because we usually just kind of zone out for that. He talks about how Laparca and Psychosis be talking about that for life. They're not part of the NWO. I think he just has a spiel that he goes through. I don't think that he... I don't really think that he uh, changes it up per per, per team. I, he should, but yeah. he just doesn't. And then at the end of the promo, Ray adds a hootie hoo. Hootie hoo. We had a Lucha Libre kind of start between Ray and Psychosis for a little bit. And it's apparently Lucha rules as Psychosis is tossed to the outside and the parka just comes in. Like, okay. Yeah. Unfortunately, this did not bring back the same energy and love from me that the uh, Mexican hardcore match mm. did. That was just a good match. That was so fun. I, I was so excited when I saw the park at Psychosis come out. I'm like, <gasps> the tag team match? What? <laughs> but Conan actually works up tempo and hits a few head scissors. Yeah, you were saying that he was moving better in this match. He I actually agree. looked motivated. And he like, looked like Shit. he was wrestling. <laughs> Maybe it's just because like, he likes these guys and he's finally wrestling with people that he likes and potentially respects. Yeah. The No Limit Soldiers toss Psychosis back in the ring like a bunch of heels. And I'm <laughs> like, okay. Conan hits a very flat, hot tag to Ray. And I think it's because Conan wasn't really getting worked over for a while. Yeah. Or like didn't even tease it. It was just like, oh, desperation tag. He's like, you were fine, dude. You get like yeah, one move done really to you. desperation. Ray hits a springboard face buster, then he and Conan hit stereo suicide dives. They also get a diving head scissors from Ray. And an interesting move I think I've only really seen in like the wrestling video games. Mm-hmm. Conan hits a spider suplex is what it's called in the games. Where it's basically you kind of sit on the top rope with your opponent in front of you. And you hit like a German suplex and then like sit back up. Oh. Like, back onto the top rope. Yeah, it was a nice kind of move. A spider suplex. Interesting. He then hits a face buster on the parka. We get a springboard hurricane rana from Ray to Psychosis, and both of them pin the opponents. Like, oh, double pin. Okay. Yeah. I I guess Team No Limit wins. Is that what we're calling them now? Team No Limit? I guess. I mean, it it seemed like they're part of that group. I wanted more from this match. I don't know about you. Yeah. Like you, I was excited for this, and I wanted to see the like the Mexican Lucha Libre style, and like the four of them together could be really fun. And like I think it started out fun, but then they just kind of lost their way. I got pretty like bored. Yeah, I think it was a mix of Conan simultaneously looked motivated, and also it's you know it's like he's still limited compared to Ray and Psychosis, so it's like I've not seen enough enough Laparca to kind of be like, oh yeah, that, that's his standard. Yeah, that's true. I, oh yeah, one of the uh, No Limit Soldiers definitely a heel in my eyes because Leparka came out with his chair, you know, plainly like a yeah. rap guitar. 
And one of the Nolan soldiers just grabbed it from him from out of the ring. It's like, that's my chair. <laughs> it wasn't a bad match, but it definitely came off a bit flat. Definitely flat, yeah. So instead of the, whatever song played before playing, upon victory, Rap is Crap starts play. <laughs> and we see Kurt Hennig and Bobby Duncan at the DJ Ran booth. And the No Limit Soldiers and, and Ray and Conan chase them off. Master P grabs the mic and cuts a not a great promo and starts getting booed. Like hard booed. There were a lot of heavy boos. And it doesn't help that he keeps fucking hootie hooing over and over, over and over again. Are yeah, you he's saying really boo or hootie hoo? And he, he just doesn't fucking stop. It's like, shut the fuck up. Yeah, I know. So. That's what we get to look forward to with more uh, Master P. I, all right. How, how long do you think Master P sticks around? I'm guessing like a month. Yeah, I'm guessing to the next pay-per-view. Yeah. And then that's it. I'm, I'm guessing they put him on like a very short contract. From one short contract to a impossibly long contract, <laughs> apparently, because it's time for Michael Buffer. <laughs> and that means it's time for the main event. Kevin Nash versus Sid Vicious. Nash comes out in a tie-dye NWO shirt, which has no piece written on the back of it. Very like Van Hammer style. Yeah. Also, the NWO logo is in white which is not your thing anymore you're the black and red you put a lot more thought into this than i think anybody else did for a minute i thought it was just like a weird oh crap we don't have enough shirts and they just had to like print this out in the back for some reason apparently they sold this shirt yeah like what the the fuck is happening he also stays in this shirt the entire time the entire time is relative. It's a very short match. But well, yeah. Well, because after Nash comes out, Randy Savage's music hits. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. But I guess Sid doesn't have music yet. So he's coming out to that. Yeah. The women come out. And I'm like, weird. Then Randy Savage comes out. And Michael Buffer just keeps announcing Sid. And then he does, like, yeah, Michael Buffer finishes the announcement for Sid. And then Randy Savage is like, nope, not Sid. It's me. God, well, not, I see this fucking match again. Yeah, so... Well, he doesn't even cut it in a way of, like, this is my match now. Savage just like, you should hand over the belt because I won. Everyone knows I pinned you. But you didn't! Nash then tells him, all right, you want the belt? Come get it. And when Savage gets in the ring, Nash hits him. And then the bell rings, and apparently this is the match now. Uh, like, what the fuck? I feel like we've seen this match... Yeah, well, we've seen it. This is it in Fast Forward, because almost yeah, immediately really? Team Madness interferes, and the ref is an idiot and has to constantly be walking around like, oh, let me not look at the match. Oh, let's look over here. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of interference. The same Again, we've seen this match because it's the same three moves by each of the women, and then Sid decides to come and join. Which is the same as the pay-per-view. Exactly. Yeah, so we've Sid, seen this fucking match. Sid then comes in. Yesterday. And hits Nash. And it's a DQ. And I'm like, this was his match to begin with. <sighs> we get some big Goldberg chants. He's not coming out. No. Um, and it's just the same of them working him down until Sting comes out. I'm like, oh, okay. Comes out with his bat and manages to clear house and fights him off with the bat. And that's it. The end. That was just such a non-anything. Yeah, it, it wasn't a match. In it, case you missed the pay-per-view last night, here you go. It's the main event. Except it wasn't even advertised as this, so... No. Uh, 
I really wanted more Sid on this show. I was We got like no Sid. I was excited for Sid and I, I did Sid. not did not get him. I'm having a really hard time thinking of an MVP for this. Yeah, me too. Thought, I guess we're just jumping right past the the match, but there's yeah, not much to talk about. Thoughts on the show as a whole? I was bored yeah. overall. This was not a good one. No, and it, it felt like it felt like a standard nitro, but like their nitros after pay per views. Like you know the raws after pay per views, those are big raws. Like people watch that to like see like what's gonna happen the night after this just felt like yeah we did that thing last night you didn't see it sucks yeah we kind of glossed over the fact that we were really hoping for an explanation about roddy piper joining rick flair and we didn't really get an explanation just just confirmation other than the fact of like oh yeah i'm also getting power hungry right so let's uh let's both try to <laughs> come up with the best bit and mvp i have a best bit what is your best bit the eight-man tag match. I think I'm going to agree with you. Yeah. It was definitely the best match. It was interesting. It was exciting. It kept my interest. And it really showed what Buff Bagwell might be capable of coming up. I'm not going to give my MVP to Buff Bagwell. I was really ready for you to. I don't know who I'm going to give it to, though. Do you have any ideas? Hold on. Let's both uh, let's take a second. Play some Jeopardy music. And we're back. <laughs> oh, did you actually play music? Yeah. Dork. Yeah, that was that was rough. We had to like read through all of our notes. We're like, what the fuck happened? I guess I'm just kind of gonna go with a, a safe favorite and give it to Billy Kidman because like he always has a good he has a good showing. Yeah, that's. I mean, we we, we did. Talk I got about my how face buster. I got a very clean. You got your face busted. Star pressed. It. Billy Kidman always puts on a good show. Yeah, and, and we, I can always rely on him. We did talk about how you know. Morris kind of needs the dance partner for it to be a good match. Yeah. And yeah, Kevin did that for him. Honorable mention to Conan because he actually surprised me a little bit. Okay. But you think he brought the match down enough to where I can't yeah. give it to him. <laughs> Just for being too good for this shit and having a bit of fun at various points, I'm giving mine to Kurt Hedding. Okay. This is a rough one, but all right. Yeah. Kurt Hedding actually seemed to be as disappointed in his match as we were. That's fair. And, and actually was still trying to have fun with the rap is crap. He seemed to have fun with it at the end of the uh, Ray and Conan tag match. So, you know. It, That's true. He, he's playing into the gimmick even though he knows he's better than this. And basically, this he's carrying this entire feud. Yes. Yes, so, he is. You know what? Yeah, I feel like I can safely give mine to Kurt Hennig. All right. Oh, man. So that's uh, that's it for the June 14th Monday Nitro. Woo! Hopefully the 21st will be better. I, I saw saw Sid in his undies in the uh, in the thumbnail for next week. So we got that to look forward to. Oh, that is exciting. And knock on wood. Knock on all the wood you can find. Next time we record, we will have some like stories to tell of our first live WWE experience together. Um, assuming they don't suddenly cancel the show. They very well might. We're waiting for yeah, it. Yeah, we will not be seeing Roman Reigns. No. Uh, very understandably, but no. yeah, we'll have to see. Hopefully we have some stories to tell, good or bad. <laughs> Till next time, Emily, where can they follow us? You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Butts in the Pod. And you can follow us on Facebook. Just search Butts in the Seeds Podcast and you can like our page and share any posts that you might want to share. Nick, where can they listen to us? Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, and Stitcher. 
So the next time you'll hear us will be in 2022. Woohoo! It's a brand new year with brand new wrestling. Well, no, it's it's full of old wrestling. It's probably going to be the same ten guys, you know. <laughs> It's a new year for us. It's, 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 you know, we're on the road to Bash at the Beach, which usually has something big happen. So we'll That'll see. That'll be exciting. Hopefully. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I don't know what the hell's going to happen. Maybe Hulk Hogan will come back. Maybe. We can only, one, a man can only dream. Uh, until then, everybody have a very safe and happy New Year's. And thank you for listening to the Butts in the Seats podcast. Bye.